We are I. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WeRI. This is a continuation on in our point five series um, from last week. How we did the sleep hacking. This one, this one's about disease hacking. So, you know, I know a lot of people reached out and said, you know, like hacking a system. You know, it seems so complicated and seems so complex. And you know, I really just want to try to loop everybody back in this week and say, you know, like hacking doesn't need to mean that it's complicated. You know, because I know myself when I think of hacking, I always think of computer hacking and, you know, I know I know nothing about electronics and computers. It's actually even amazing I'm able to launch this podcast every week. And, you know, but hacking really just, you know, I look at it as change. It's just doing something different, doing something different than what we are doing now to be able to help and in this case our body. You know, so when we talk about disease hacking, like I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I have cancer right now, I'm going to hack the system and my cancer is going to be gone. You know, I have diabetes today, I'm going to hack the system and tomorrow my diabetes is gone. Like that, that's not the point behind this is to say, well, if we look at it from a long-term preventative strategy or even if we have um, cancer, diabetes, something along those lines right now, you know, what can we do to improve our current situation? Not maybe 100% change it, we might be able to change it 30%, 40%, or in a conjunction with other things, we might be able to change that for the positive. So look at it more as small, subtle changes for a long-term better goal. So, you know, I want to start off, you know, talking a little bit more about a common aspect of all this that, you know, everybody knows about and, you know, we've heard it a thousand times, but, you know, really when it comes down to like our diet, you know, like, disease hacking is going to start with our diet, you know, and it's such a fundamental part of our everyday that it really overall determines, you know, how our body's going to feel, you know, what happens inside of our body in multiple different areas. But today, you know, we're talking specifically about disease. So I know a lot of people want to label sugar as a bad thing and it's this monster and I do too. But at the end of the day, we have to remember our body still needs some sugar. You know, like the problem is, is that our daily sugar intake should be about 5% of our total net calories, no matter what your calories are, you know, whether that's a thousand or 1500, 2000, 5000, whatever, whatever your calories are to be able to sustain a healthy you, 5% of those calories should come from sugar. The problem is the average Canadian, about 20% or more of their average calories are coming from sugar. So like that's the start, like that's the hack. That's the beginning stage of the hack is I need to reduce that 20% down to five. Like that's where we should start. Like forget everything else when it comes to the diet. Like how can I just simply change that? You know, because all of the cells in our body, you know, need sugar. You know, might hear it uh, called glucose. Our body needs glucose, which again is just simply sugar to be able to function. 
cancer cells need that, but every other cell on your body needs that too. The problem is we have an abundance of this sugar and this glucose in our body. So we need to be able to eliminate and reduce that first and foremost. Like that, that should be something that we look at as easy. But it's not, you know, because sugar is so addictive and we feed in it as inflammation. And that inflammation in our body is what really helps, you know, rob our body and our immune system of the energy it needs and the capacity that it needs to be able to fight things like cancer or diabetes or just a common cold and flu. So like that's that's the key. I really want to keep it surface. I don't want to get too much into depth, but it look at it as being that easy. I eat too much sugar. I'm adding massive inflammation to my body, and my body is negatively responding to that. The thing is, you know, with sugars, we feel immediate gratification from it, so it's easy to eat it now, and it's hard to think in five years or ten years or cold and flu season when it comes up, I'm getting the impact of eating, you know, this 20% of my overall net calories coming from sugar in my day. That's causing that or, you know, that's a contributing factor, but, you know, we just need to start thinking along those lines. You know, and I don't expect you to change your thought process after listening to this podcast today or, you know, it might take a week, it might take a month, it might take a year, but, you know, plant some seeds, you know, put those seeds in your mind saying, you know, how can I go from 20% to 15%? How can I make a better choice today? You know, and how can I get down to that 5% no matter how long it takes, but my goal is just to reduce that so I can reduce the inflammation in my body. You know, I can give my immune system a better chance to be able to fight these things, you know, coming into it. And just really give myself a better chance to be successful. Because then again, the only person that has to live inside your mind and your body is you. You know, So why take the tools away from your mind and your body to be able to walk through life and give yourself the fighting chance to be able to live you know, your best life, which is you know, a hot clickbaity topic now, like living your best life. You know, like how can you live your best life on vacation if, you know, when you get on vacation, you're just packing all that junk food in you or you're eating it every day at home. Your best life should just start with the inner you, the better quality you on the inside so that you function better every single day. I know it's not easy to be able to post that on Instagram and Facebook. It's easier to smile with a beach in the background, but, you know, smile at a grocery store in the produce section, you know, go to a farmer's market. You know, maybe just kind of change it. Like, let's let's start some changes. Let's nudge it in that right direction. You know, I posted something on WeRI the other day about how, you know, we need less McDonald's and we need more farmer's markets to go to. And, you know, it's always funny to me that those posts get the least amount of likes, but they have the most impact on our body, which is essentially disease hacking 101. Just better quality nutrition, putting better food inside of our body. You know, so that's that's the subject that's been, you know, beat down and you know everybody knows about but you know just start thinking about it think about making some subtle changes how can I reduce that 20% that I'm probably closer to that 20% than I am to the 5% like how can I reduce that that should be the start that's where we want to go so good luck with that I know the sugar monster hits us all hard you know, everybody knows me, it's the M&M's monster. I talk about it all the time and I do my best, but we all we all fail sometimes. Um, but again, just give yourself the chance. Let's get that 20% down to five. So another thing when it comes to nutrition on the flip side of that is we actually used to eat a lot of really bitter foods, like lots. There's lots of them and a lot of cultures still eat bitter foods. The problem is when it comes down to like what's gratifying for us, again, is this 
the sugar, everything tasting sweet. It's easy to consume. Our palate has really changed to wanting only sweet foods and to be able to ingest sweet foods because sugar is literally in everything. That's why it's so easy to make up that 20% because sugar is in everything. Anything that's bitter is coated in sugar to be able to make it taste better. But the one thing with all of these really bitter foods and, you know, just to kind of give you an example of a few, you know, take like bitter melon, cruciferous veggies, you know, dandelion greens, citrus peels, cranberries, cocoa, coffee, green tea, cinnamon, you know, things along these lines. They all individually have a huge impact on our body and reducing inflammation, reducing blood sugar levels and really balancing out our bodies and bringing our bodies back to a place of homeostasis. So on the two sides of this, you know, we have all these bitter foods that just have amazing antioxidant properties, anti-inflammation properties, give ourselves and our bodies all the tools that it needs to be strong and healthy, but we shy away from them because when we put them in our mouth, you know, our eyes close, our cheeks get sucked in. We want to spit it out because it just doesn't taste as good as that sweet thing sitting right beside it. You know, so disease hacking 102. You know, start changing the palate, changing what is appealing to you and why. You know, when people ask me, you know, about like, how do you eat that? Like, you know, it tastes like garbage. You know, like, I just, I can't even swallow it. I gag as soon as I put it in my mouth. It's like, because I'm really just fundamentally trying to retrain my palate and the way that I look at food and saying, it can't always be this mouth explosion experience of pleasure. Like sometimes it's got to suck my cheeks in because my brain is going to function better because of that. Sometimes I have to squint my eyes to be able to swallow it because my, my body is going to be stronger. So it's going to reduce the inflammation in my body. I just need to change the way that I think about these things, and we all do. Like, when was the last time you grabbed some bitter melon when you went to the grocery store? Like, how many people even know what bitter melon looks like, or that kind of looks like a spiky cucumber? Or, you know, when you walk past those dandelions on people's grass, like, all you can think of is, you know, pulling them out or, you know, grabbing, you know, some kind of herbicide to be able to kill them. Or how, how often have you thought of, I can eat those greens, and they're actually really healthy for me? You know, or like how many times have you gone for the 80% or 90% dark chocolate instead of the milk chocolate or the white chocolate? You know, it's all really easy for us to drink the coffee, but how many of us have had a black cup of coffee, you know, without cream or sugar, you know, some kind of vanilla mix or some kind of pump of this and pump of that in it? You know, it's kind of just getting back to, again, retraining the balance saying like, look, you know, I'm going to eat stuff in category A that's a little bit sweeter, but I need to start putting some things in from category B, you know, the bitter side of it. And, you know, and when you do the research, if you're willing to just to be able to Google something outside of, you know, Facebook login or Instagram login, you know, just bitter or Google bitter foods, you know, benefits of bitter foods, you know, and how we used to eat just an abundance of bitter foods and how healthy they are for us. You know, just add one here and there. Again, it's not about a total dietary change today or tomorrow. You know, it's like go to the grocery store and take it. It might take six months to regularly start eating one bitter thing. That's cool because at the end of the day, we're looking long term. We're not looking at changing things today like what I can do today. And then, you know, in a week from now, I fade off because it was just too much. You know, like do a little research. Take a couple weeks, you know, put the research in and be like, yeah, you know, like that, that makes sense. 
Like that makes absolute sense. You know, maybe I should try that. You know, maybe there is, you know, something I can do with eating these bitter foods and, you know, really change the quality of my life. You know, then we get into different things that are a little bit more fun, a little bit more new cutting edge that don't have anything to do with nutrition at all. Which again, like this is more the science behind, you know, the environment now, the landscape and how everything is starting to change. And we're looking at different options and, you know, and different availability of things we can do to be able to improve the quality of our life. And they just happen to be, you know, reducing disease. But the one thing I want everybody to take away from all of these things is the common denominator of all of them is a reduction of inflammation in the body. So before I get into like the, the fun and fancy new things, I want everybody to think like the bitter foods help reduce inflammation and eating less sugar in your daily diet is reducing inflammation as well. It's all about reducing inflammation in our body. That's impactful. That's where we need to start because what we're going to talk about next, both of these things also do exactly just that, just in different ways than your diet. So when it comes down to like the new innovative side, we have cryotherapy, you know, which everybody's kind of starting to catch on to and understand. It's like, why would I want to subject myself to that kind of intense cold, you know, 110 degrees Celsius below, you know, for like three, four minutes at a time, you know, just absurd temperatures or on the flip side of that, you know, heat, you know, where you're looking at just astronomically high temperatures and you just sweat and you're just dying and you're heating every second, but you're just getting the benefit of it. You know, it's cold shock proteins and heat shock proteins. You know, out of all the other things that these do for your body, the base of it, again, is both of them reduce inflammation. So let's look at cryotherapy being, you know, disease hacking 103. You know, the one most impactful part for me about cryotherapy is how it increases your white blood cell count. Now, white blood cells are what you want in your body to be able to help fight off, you know, different like diseases, different, you know, viruses, you know, different everything in your body. Like they're like white blood cells are just like, these are our army. We want this, like we want this to be increased. So where this kind of starts is, you know, breaking down, you know, like the, the image and the outlook on it of saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be outside in the cold without your jacket on. You know, and now we're not talking about being outside for like eight or 10 hours a day, but we got to break the old wives tale perspective of like, you know, it's not good to be out in the cold. Like there's extreme benefit to being outside in the cold and cold exposures. Like there's still some cultures in this world today who ex expose their babies you know, to freezing temperatures because they understand how healthy it is for their babies. Now, I'm absolutely not saying that you should do that with yours. I'm just saying these are some of the different perspectives that are in our world today. But we get trapped in our little box of saying, hey, it's a little cold outside. You know, my skin feels a little cold. It's a little uncomfortable. You need to put a jacket, a scarf, and three toques and four pairs of gloves and your boots on and, you know, go outside, look like a marshmallow so you stay cozy at that ambient 72 degrees that we should be when we're inside. You know, but we don't. And on the flip side of that, you know, from a long-term perspective, is not only do you become more resilient as a person, but it's reducing the inflammation in your body. So if you're moving around at all, you're athletic, you're working out, or, you know, you have, you know, cancer, you have diabetes, you know, you have 
the flu, you have anything going on in your body, being outside in that cold and that cold exposure is going to actually help you and benefit you, not do the opposite. And again, I'm not talking about grabbing your fishing rod and saying, hey, I'm going to go ice fishing with my buddy at the lake today for the next 18 hours and I'm going to wear only my shorts because I'm a warrior. It's like, no. You know, you don't need to get crazy. It doesn't need to be extreme. Like I said, if, when you look at cryotherapy as a whole, you know, you're going these extreme temperatures for like three minutes at a time. But it's repeated exposure. Now, on the other side of that too, when you look in at reducing, you know, the amount of adipose tissue you have on your body, you know, the amount of fat we have, you know, it converts the white fat cells into brown fat cells. So that brown adipose tissue, or you might see in like little, um, you know, quotes online of BAT, just brown adipose tissue. See, with the brown adipose tissue, we actually have a mitochondria in that brown adipose tissue, which is going to fire the body up and, and help keep it warm because then it becomes energy producing. Now, if you go stand outside in the cold, you're not going to lose 20 pounds either. You know, but the whole point behind that is it's looking at the benefit of being cold, the benefit of being outside in the cold. And, you know, yeah, wear a jacket sometimes, you know, but you don't need to wear a jacket rated to minus 40 when it's minus five outside or, you know, maybe go expose yourself to the cold because there's benefit to it. And again, this is disease hacking in our concept 103, you know, when it comes to reducing the inflammation of the body, reducing the amount of adipose tissue we have, or even if you're changing the white adipose tissue into brown adipose tissue and having these little mitochondria in that brown adipose tissue now so that when you are exposed to the cold, you might just be a little bit more warm and give your body a little bit more of a fighting chance. Because remember, evolution has given us these great tools. We're just taking these tools away from ourselves now. You know, but at the end of the day, we can give these tools back at any time. Our body is striving and wanting to have these tools. We're just walking through everyday life now saying, no, you don't need it anymore. You know, but we can give these tools back at any time. You know, and yes, you know, cryotherapy can get a little expensive. And, you know, so some people say, like, what about standing in a cold shower or, you know, like an ice bath and, you know, I kind of just want to cover that ground a little bit too. Like cold showers are great for being invigorating. The problem is, is that they're very topical. They get your skin cold. You know, but it doesn't drop your core temperature. What we're looking for is a core temperature decrease. So unless you're willing to stand in that shower for an extended period of time and you have a rain shower and a head on both sides of the body where you're just getting covered in this freezing cold water, it's better off just to throw some ice in the bathtub and submerge yourself in it and drop your core temperature that way. You know, because again, if you're standing in the shower and you only have one shower, it's only just right on your chest or right on your back. Like it's not, it's not encased in your whole body and we need more than a topical decrease in temperature. We need a core temperature decrease and that's your goal. So no, you don't have to wake up in the morning and necessarily have a cold shower. If you have a tough time waking up and that's the way that you wake up or you feel invigorated by it, now that's a different story. It's not that there's not benefit from that, you know, because that might help stimulate you for the rest of your day and you feel like a champion, you feel like a warrior, you're like, I'm going to crush this day. Yeah, go for it. Have your cold shower because that's great. That's amazing benefit. But what we're specifically talking about is a drop in core temperature to be able to get your body to release cold shock proteins. Like that's our goal. So you need to submerse yourself. Your whole body needs to be in it. You know, like a really good friend of mine, you know, he hops in his pool, you know, outside right now. It's the winter time here in BC. Well, it's actually kind of early spring, you know, but his pool is like 51 degrees and he just hops in that. It's just easy. Just it's cold already, drops the core temperature, gets out. Perfect. 
done deal. Easy as that. You know, so just watch the little things. If you want to be able to do them, watch the things that are going to help versus kind of artificially or superficially help. You know, just grab some ice, throw it in the bathtub, fill up the bathtub with cold water, hop in, submerge yourself, feel the core temperature decrease, you're golden. So now we get into the other side, disease hacking 104, which is the heat shock protein release. And it's like, well, where where does that heat shock protein release come into play? Like, you know, how hot does it need to be and how long do I need to subject myself, you know, to these temperatures? You know, so when we're kind of looking at it, you know, you can do a bunch of research online about the hotter, the better. You can look at anything over 140, 150 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, for 20 minutes at a time ish or longer. You know, and that's absolutely fantastic. You know, what you're looking at again is like that internal increase in temperature. You know, so is you got to watch it being to surface. That's where you need the extended period of time, and that's one of the benefits of you know being in infrared saunas. And I know a lot of the the research behind you know being in a sauna and increasing your core temperature, you know, comes from a regular sauna, not an infrared sauna. But again, with an infrared sauna, you are heating up from the inside out versus the outside in. So as the research comes out, I'm almost certain that we're going to start to find the benefit in you know being in more of an infrared sauna environment, you know, than being in a regular sauna strictly for that. You know, that's why with infrared saunas you'll see a lower ambient temperature, you know, like 140, you know, maybe 145, 150 degrees. You know, in a regular sauna you might see up in like the 180s to 200s. But remember, that's ambient temperature. When you're in infrared sauna, your internal core temperature is actually going to get higher than the ambient temperature. Like that's the whole kind of point behind it, you know, with the with the infrared saunas. Now, when you're looking at that with the infrared saunas, when your body releases, you know, those heat shock proteins, you know, we're reducing inflammation as well. And again, like I said from the beginning, like all of these things are a reduction in inflammation, and that's the key, and that's the base of what we're looking for. And where we talked about the cryotherapy increasing you know, the amount of white blood cells in the body with the heat shock protein release and being exposed to the heat, we're releasing more of the, we're regaining more red blood cells. You know, the best part about the red blood cells, now we're transporting more oxygen through the body. So again, in both of these environments, we're getting this great benefit, you know, to be able to live like a better quality life and the, just the amount of, you know, positive cells that are flowing around through our body, you know, whether it's white blood cells or red blood cells, or, you know, we just have different tools in our body to be able to assist reducing the amount of disease. This is the point behind disease hacking. You know, the things with diet, we're going to need to do those a little bit more every day, but the cryotherapy and, you know, for the cold shock protein release and the heat shock protein release, you know, we're looking at doing those things kind of a few days a week. You know, and there's great spin-off, you know, benefits of both of them too. Like we were talking about converting, you know, brown white adipose tissue into brown adipose tissue or, you know, whether it's rebuilding the synapses between the neurons in the brain with the cold shock protein, um, you know, reducing the risk of like Alzheimer's and dementia later on in life. There's all these little spin-off benefits of both those environments too. The nice thing about the cryotherapy is it's a lot less time. You know, like the baths, it's just a lot of ice for ice baths or, you know, like the expense of going to a cryotherapy chamber, you know, but you're just looking over a lot less time investment, you know, but we want the best of both worlds. We want to try to be able to do the, the cold shock protein release and the heat shock protein release, you know, both of those a couple of days a week, like that would be best case scenario. 
And, you know, like there's tons of research behind it. You know, don't take my word for it. You know, at the end of this podcast and in the description, I'm going to go through and, you know, give everybody references and resources to go to to be able to find this information. This is one thing for me just to say it and, you know, you hop on board and you're like, it sounds great. And, you know, I don't really have to change too much in my life. All I have to do is sit in the sauna, you know, maybe a couple of days a week or, you know, I need to have a ice bath a couple of days a week or go to cryotherapy a couple of days a week, reduce the amount of sugar I eat and eat some different foods that are a little bit more bitter. But the one thing I want you to remember behind all that is as you're doing that research and realizing like how easy this can be, like this can change and dramatically change the entire course of the rest of your healthy life. But only that is you're going to be able to instill change in other people as well. You know, so when it comes down to it, it's like this, you can live a better quality life to be able to do all those things like take the selfies on the beach or, you know, go out and play sports or hang out with friends and family or have a games night or play with your kids. All those kind of things are going to be easier for you for a longer period of time. You can live a better quality life for more years. And that's really what it should be all about. And that's what we're all striving for when we try to do these things that are quote unquote healthier for us. Now, you know, like these are the things of today, you know, like there might be more things tomorrow that come out and we might disprove some of these theories. But that's the one thing with science is, as we know, we got to, we got to analyze that information. And the point behind WRI is just to collectivize everybody and say, hey, like there's all these people who are hungry for information. You know, so like, let's start talking about this, create conversation around it. And you know, like, let's get the word out and let's spread the message. You know, but also what I really want to do with WRI is point everybody to other people as well, saying like, hey, this is great information. Where can I go get more of it? You know, so like I said, I'm going to put some links on from PubMed. You know, like you got to be really into it to want to go through the PubMed studies. You know, I'm an information junkie. I cruise through PubMed all the time. So those are going to be on there. You know, but a very interactive, you know, extremely intelligent human being, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. You know, if anybody's kind of into any of these like disease hacking, you know, systems, I'm sure you've heard of her name. I'm going to post some links to, you know, her sites and some information as well. You know, some reports on saunas and, you know, from Healthline about better or bitter foods. Um, you know, and just, you know, different Canadian organizations for people to go to and understand, you know, like, where some of these percentages are coming from and, you know, like, why our daily intake sugar should only be 5% and, you know, how our averages are up around 20% and, you know, for people to go through and, you know, look at all of these bitter foods and actually see the individual health benefits of eating them all and how we can reduce inflammation in our body and how beneficial they are for our body. You know, like I said, the links to cryotherapy and the benefits and the, you know, the links to the sitting in saunas and the benefits behind that. Because I want to arm you guys not only with the, the information, this is to stimulate people to do more research. This isn't just to say, hey, I'm going to take Blake's word as like gospel or, you know, I'm going to take Blake's word for it and not look into it. Like, don't ever do that. You know, always look into, always investigate more. But like I said, I'm going to point you in those directions where I go to be able to get my information from. And you can understand how I begin to some of these conclusions and why I feel like it's so necessary that we all just keep on hearing this message and hearing this message in different ways and from different people, but we all need to keep saying it and doing it. You know, and at the end of the day, like, you know, even if you don't tell anybody, you just make this change for yourself, you know, but somebody else sees you or you live a better quality life find that that is the point. Like we really just want to live better quality lives for ourselves. So again, disease hacking 101 reducing the amount of sugar that we eat disease hacking 102 start eating some bitter foods 
I know it's tough. I get it, but you can do it. Disease Hacking 103, try some cryotherapy. Have a little fun with it. Try some of this new stuff we have coming out and emerging on these markets that's just got tremendous amount of benefit for the body. You know, hop in this on every rec center everywhere typically has a sauna that you can go hop into. So, you know, like there's all these options, you know, to be able to incorporate these things into our daily lives. So have a little fun with it. You know, like that's disease hacking 101, 102, 103, and 104. It can be that simple. It can be that easy and it can be that fun. It's not huge, dramatic changes, just small changes for a huge amount of change later on in life. So I hope that you guys got a lot out of it today. You know, disease hacking for me, you know, is I just, I love researching. I love looking into it. And if it's something that you guys are interested in, you know, DM me anytime, you know, willing to be able to start the conversation. And if you want me to be able to talk about other things, you know, on WeRI, more than happy to, you know, that's how this disease hacking one came about is, you know, having conversations with WeRI family members and, you know, creating that dialogue and understanding what's important to you guys. So um, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day.